Great singing. Wow, that was beautiful. I invite you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And as you're doing that, I just want to say thank you to the pulpit committee, to the board, to the church for your invitation today, the opportunity, the privilege, uh, the honor of being considered today as a, a candidate to be the senior pastor here at First Baptist Church of Carroll. Uh, we are thankful and we are trusting the Lord for His perfect will in the decision. Whatever God would have, that is what we as well want. If you open your Bible to Second Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 5, <clears throat> sorry about that, we'll get there in just one moment. From the beginning pages of the Bible, we learn that mankind was made by God and for God by God and for God. That is um, absolutely necessary for you to understand life. If you do not understand that you were made by God and for God, you will not understand what is going on in your life or the things that happen in your life. You were made in the image of God. You were made to have fellowship and union with God. That was God's intention. That was God's will for us. That is paradise. God dwelling with man in righteousness and peace. That's perfection. That's a paradise. That is, that is how it is meant to be. And it sounds really good. It should sound really good. And it was true. It was once a reality, and it will be a reality one day again. But not yet. So what about now? We all long for peace. Right? All of us long for peace. Don't you look around the world? Don't you look at our country? Don't you look at our communities and our neighborhoods, marriages and families, friendships and other relationships? And don't you just long for there to not be conflict? Don't you just long for there not to be this, this grinding that we experience in this world? And I, I do. I, I look at all of those things and say, man... I wish it were different. I wish there were, were peace. And even while I'm, I'm wanting that, I'm, I'm doing that while recognizing that, that obviously that peace does not exist yet. Not, not in a global sense, not in a, a worldwide sense. And there's a reason for that, that absence. Because it didn't take humanity very long, did it? Before they believed the lie, we believed the lie, that God was not good. In breaking God's one rule, sin entered the world. And as sin entered the world, fellowship vanished. Fellowship with God and union with God vanished. Sin separated. Sin separated then, and guess what? Sin still separates today. It separates us from God, and it separates us from each other. Even at our best, we don't have the answer. We can't fix it. We can't undo what has been done. We cannot, we could not atone for or make up for our sin. It is literally impossible. That's the bad news. The good news is this, that God so loved the world and he came. He came. He moved. He came to bring us home. 
He came us who were made by him and for him to be with him. He came to bring us to himself. This God is not the God who tells us about the way to get to heaven. He is the way to get to heaven, and he came so that we could know him. That's the good news this morning. We who were separated from him have a way to be brought back to him. Jesus came, Luke 19, to seek and to save that which was lost. Friend, brother, sister, guest, that's you. That's you. As we look at 2 Corinthians 5 today, Paul writes about the idea of reconciliation. Hear these first couple verses again. All this is from God. What's the all this? We're jumping into a middle part of this text, which isn't the way you should do that. <laughs> um, but given our timing and etc., we are. But what is the all this? The all this, this is what precedes it. Immediately, it's into verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What, what is the all this that, that is from God? This new creation. This new life, uh, this no longer living for myself, this caring about others, this evidence of believing the gospel. That's what the all this is. All this is from God, who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God's work of (laughs) reconciliation um, is is spoken here by uh, the Apostle Paul. And when he says that he reconciled us to himself, what he means is that he restored us to himself. That's what the word reconciliation means. It, It means to to settle a quarrel or a difference. Reconciliation means to make two apparent conflicting things compatible. To reconcile literally means to exchange. It has to do with bringing into, uh, a, cha- bringing into um, a, a relationship a change. One pastor says it this way. <clears throat> Biblical reconciliation is the process of two previously alienated parties coming to peace with each other. One more commentator. Reconciliation is not some polite ignoring or reduction of hostility, but rather its total and objective removal of hostility. Meaning, reconciliation isn't just saying, it's okay, it's not that big of a deal. That's not, that's not reconciliation. It's not ignoring or, or excusing or minimizing the offense or the sin. Rather, it's the total and complete removal of that guilt. Altogether, a total removal. How could that happen? How could that possibly happen? Someone, something has to be done about the offense. When there is an offense, something has to be done. Something has to be paid. Justice has to happen. So so how could God ever reconcile you and me in our sin? 
Well, this is how God did it in verse 18. He did it through Christ. Through Christ reconciling us to himself. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. God did it through Jesus, through his death on the cross for our sin. This is how we are reconciled. This is how we are saved. This is how we are made at peace with God. It is only through Christ. Something had to be done about our sin. And so the way God reconciled us was through the work of his son. Colossians 1, verses 19 through 22, says this, For in him, all the fullness, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled to his body, in his body of flesh, by his death, in order that he may present you. This is what God's doing. In order that he might present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. God moved first. That's what we find in reconciliation. It is God who moved. He did not wait for you. He moved. Even before the foundations of the world, God chose. He predestined. He planned. The offender, the offended, excuse me, the offended one moved to make peace with the offender. Think about that. This is not the offender sitting with his arms crossed, holding a grudge against you because you've sinned against him. That is not what God is doing. That is not what God has done. He actually moved first. And what's more, as we keep reading, he did not count their trespasses against them. Now, this only bothers you or, or, or shocks you if you recognize your trespasses. If you do not recognize your trespasses today, that, doesn't, that does nothing for you. But if you recognize your trespasses and you read that, you should stop, get on your knees, and say thank you. He did not count your trespasses against you. How? How could he not? How could he not hold it against you? How could he not count it against you? Have you ever been sinned against? Do you ever hold somebody's sin against them? Have you ever heard someone say, well, I'll forgive you, but I won't, I won't forget? That is not what God does. Quite frankly, that is not, that might be a human response, but that is not biblical forgiveness. That is not the gospel. Forgiveness actually involves giving something, giving up something, giving up the, 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 the retribution. It is all grace. Forgiveness is grace. And God did not count our trespasses against us because Jesus paid for our sin. Our sin still had to be paid for. So the not holding it against you isn't that it didn't get paid for. Someone still had to pay for it. So it's not like God just swept it under the rug and said it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Sin is serious. And God takes it very seriously. He takes it deadly seriously. So much so that His very Son stood in our place condemned for our sin. 
Isaiah 53. He became our ransom, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the satisfaction of God's wrath for our sins. That's what Jesus did for your sin. What is your place, our place in reconciliation? We're the offender. That's who we are. We're the enemy. We are the the ones that are at odds with God. We are the sinner in need of forgiveness and restoration. Romans chapter 5. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Here's how you know that you didn't move first. While you were his enemy, he moved. You didn't find God. God found you. The only reason you would ever respond to God is because he responded first. He acted first. We see it throughout the scriptures. We are the enemy. God in love moved to us so that we might be saved. We must then respond to this act of God in repentance and faith. We must We must be reconciled with God, but only because of his reconciling work through Christ. The only reason we move towards God is because God has already moved towards us. Left to yourself, you would not choose God. You would choose your sin. That's the nature of man. But God not only reconciled us to himself, but he gave those he reconciled a job or a ministry. He calls it here the ministry of reconciliation in the end of verse 18. He goes on to say that he entrusted to us at the end of verse 19 the message of reconciliation. Well, what is this ministry of reconciliation? It is the task or the service or the responsibility of proclaiming to others the need to be reconciled. That's the ministry of reconciliation is that we say to people, we are in need of being made right with God. We are the enemies of God in need to be made right with God, and that only happens through coming to God in Christ. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. There's another implication here that Paul does not address explicitly in this passage, but does elsewhere. And it's, it's applicable for us today. And it's this, because we've been reconciled, We proclaim reconciliation and we reconcile with others. That is what the gospel tells us. The gospel tells us that because of our vertical reconciliation, horizontally we care about reconciliation with others. That the only reason we would ever reconcile horizontally is because we have been reconciled vertically. If God has not done reconciliation for us vertically, then there's not a chance we're doing it this way. Not biblically. In his little book, Milton Vincent writes this. The gospel is not just a message of reconciliation with God, but it also heralds the reconciliation of all believers to one another in Christ. Through the death of Christ, God has brought peace where there was once hostility. He has broken down the barriers that once divided us outside of Christ. Christians ought to be the most united people in the world. And yet, in so many churches, we see so much division. These things ought not to be. That is not why Jesus died. 
Jesus dies so that there would be a unity in him. Too many times the disunity comes because we're not looking at him. We're looking at ourselves. We're looking at what we want or what we think it should be. We're missing the main thing. Jesus has come. Jesus has died so that God's people will be united as one. Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 16. For he himself is our peace. That's Jesus, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law that commands... uh, of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create for himself one new man in place of the two. This is the division of Gentile and Jew. So making peace, it might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. In the gospel, we are reconciled with God and with man. We proclaim reconciliation to God as well as reconcile with one another. We become peacemakers. We put on what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, the shoes of the gospel of peace. We we become people known for peacemaking. That's different than peacekeeping. We'll spend some time on that some other time. Peacemaking. Christ has left for us the example of moving first to reconcile. So let me ask you, is there someone with whom you need to reconcile today? Is there someone you know, you know in your heart, even as I say those words, you know it? If there is, I want to implore you this morning, do not wait. Do not wait. Move first. That's the example. Don't wait. Keep short accounts. As God the Father so has forgiven us, so do we to others. Some of you may be thinking, that, that's probably not going to happen for me. <laughs> that seems unrealistic. I would never do that, or I could never do that, or that person might not come, uh, want to be reconciled with me. That might be true. That absolutely might be true. Reconciliation takes two people. But you're responsible for your part. Just because you don't think the other person is going to come doesn't mean you still don't do your part. Christ did not just provide us an example. He also provided the power. <laughs> because through the work of Christ, the believer is now enabled by the Spirit of God to do hard things, to do risky things, to do things that you might not think will work, to act, to speak, to move. We could go through talking about how the Spirit fills us through the Word of God, the fruit of the Spirit that is born out in the obedient believer, the strengthening with power that the Spirit gives to us, and how we walk by the Spirit. When we keep in step by the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. So the question is, will you? Will you yield to God's Spirit? Will you humble yourselves? It is a humbling thing to ask for forgiveness. We are putting ourselves on the mercy of someone else. It is humbling. It's not just that you feel humiliated. It is humbling. And that's good. The division in the Bible is not between good people and bad people. It's between the proud and the humble. Will you humble yourselves today? Will you move towards reconciliation? Let's move quickly. 
what is our ministry of reconciliation? Well, here's the message that's been entrusted. It's really quite simple. We must be reconciled to God, and it's through Jesus. That's the message. You want peace with God? It comes only through Christ. Now, most of us might look at our life and think, I might not be worthy of uh, walking around spouting off about reconciliation. Maybe don't have the best track record in the world. Maybe I've struggled with it in my own life. So who am I to proclaim such a message? Well, verse 20 tells us who you are. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, you might not be a good ambassador, but you are an ambassador. That's what, that's what the, the Bible tells you that you are. You're an ambassador for Christ. And God is making his appeal through you. This is how the gospel is proclaimed, through you. God could have done it a different way. He didn't. The way God proclaims his message is through you. And it's God's message of reconciliation. Who are we? We are, we are the ambassadors for Christ. We are emissaries of the king. Imagine, imagine you are here today, and imagine this is an embassy, if you will, in a foreign land. And you're an alien, meaning you're, you're not a citizen. And you come here to receive a message from the king, and then you're supposed to go into this land and tell it. You actually don't have to imagine that, because that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what this is. We are not a fortress. You are coming to hear the word of God, and then you're going out to share the word of God. That is what you're doing. That is what you are called to do. Disciples make disciples. You are called to proclaim this message. This is God's mission in the world, and we're called to be part of it. Now, not all of us are called to to leave our homes and leave our our countries and travel to other places. Clearly, not all of us are called. The Bible is written to local churches where there are people who lived in those cities, and they were witnesses in their cities. So no one is saying everyone needs to leave town and go be a missionary. But we are saying that all of you are called to be missionaries where you're at and to proclaim the gospel where you are. Now, God does call some of us to go, and we ought to be mindful of that. But please don't misunderstand this idea of, well, they're the missionaries, and I'm just the sender. No, no, no. You're a missionary, too. You're just a missionary where you are at. And what is he doing? What is he saying to us? What are we supposed to be doing as these ambassadors? We're making an appeal, and we're imploring. Verse 20, God making his appeal through us. This is God's message spoken through us, and this is so important for you to remember. This, this gospel is not your idea. It's not your opinion. It's not good advice that you think people should hear about. This is news. This is God's word. This is truth, and you don't get to make it up. You don't get to decide. No one gets to decide what the truth is. God decides what the truth is, and all you're doing is proclaiming God's message, and if someone were to reject that message... They are rejecting God. You feel rejection. I get it. I know. But we need to to try on a different mind there and recognize this, that the the, the rejection actually is to God, not to you. So stop wearing that and look to be a herald. Look to be the ambassador, the, the proclaimer of Jesus. We are imploring them to what? To be reconciled to God. Listen, everybody longs for peace. 
Some don't understand the only way they're going to get peace is in Christ. They must be made right with Christ. Well, how does this reconciliation actually even happen? How is this even possible? What is happening in this exchange in reconciliation? Verse 21. For our sake. This is for our sake. What God did for us is for our It's not for his sake. It's for our sake. And this is what he did. He made him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here it is. Christ became sin. We, who are sinners, received his righteousness. Martin Luther calls this the great exchange. And if there were a way, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to do an illustration that could, could properly get this, but if there were a way for you to imagine the weight of your sin, materially, I don't know how you do that. Bags, boxes, and you're, you're holding all of it. What this verse is telling us is that the exchange that happens here is that Jesus takes all of that onto himself, and what we get in return is his righteousness. It's the craziest transaction ever. No one would do that deal. If you're a business owner, you'd never do that deal. Right? That's a terrible business idea. Right? But Jesus did it. And God, what God does, sometimes seems foolishness to other people, but it is all wise, perfect knowledge. He did what he knew was the only way for this to actually happen. Your sin had to be paid for. The only way that you could pay for your sin or your sin could be paid for and you live is for there to be a substitute sacrifice. The only one who could ever hold the weight of all that sin is someone who is perfect. There's only one who's perfect. You understand? The gospel isn't just an idea here. It's not one option among many. It's the only option. You have no other option. Reconciliation is saying, this is a good way to go. come to God. Why don't you try this out? No, no, no. Paul's saying, this is it. That's what Jesus was saying in Mark, or John chapter 14. I'm the only way. He wasn't being a jerk. He wasn't trying to be exclusive for the sake of his exclusivity. He's saying, there's only one way. I'm it. I actually came for you. How amazing is that? Instead of seeing Jesus as this, this snob that Christianity, only one way, see it as, good grief, the only way we could get there was Jesus, and he actually did it for me. Are you kidding? This is grace. It's unmerited and it's unmeritable. Tim Keller says this, religion says you've got to earn your life. Do, do more good. Secular society says create your life. Your life. You, 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 you determine it. You know what Jesus says? My life for your life. You want to have life? It comes through Jesus. It comes through the life of Jesus. That's the only way this works. Now, we have a, a chapter break in, at the end here, and it's unfortunate because the content doesn't stop, and so we're not going to stop. So chapter 6, verse 1, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I will listen to you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you 
behold, that now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What's the appeal? It's the appeal to salvation, which is actually an appeal to righteousness, or excuse me, reconciliation. It's the same thing. He talks about grace here. He says that the grace is not to be received in vain. Well, what does that mean? How can we receive the grace in vain? It means that, for example, it would be when, we, uh, when we, we're not affected by the grace, meaning we hear it, but it doesn't really do anything to us. So some of you today are hearing about this gracious God who so loved you that he sent his son to die for you to pay for your sin in order that you might one day be with him. And some of you sit there and say, eh, yeah, that, okay, well, you know, that's what you believe. That, that, that's receiving it in vain. That's saying, uh, I could take it or leave it. Or you take it and then you abuse it. Or you say, yeah, I want that, and then I want to just go on and abuse the grace because God will forgive me anyways, right? That's receiving it in vain. Paul says this ought not to be. If grace has not moved you, then you actually don't know grace. You've not experienced it yet. And when you do, it will move you. Paul says the favorable time, the acceptable time is today. It is now. Literally now. Paul is saying that the time for you to respond to, to God, to this reconciliation, is today. As you read it, this is the time. If you've never done it, today is the day. Friend, if you're here today and you do not know if you are right with God, we want to invite you this morning to hear the words again. Be reconciled to God. How? How? By repenting and believing the gospel, that's how. God has already done his work. All we do is respond to what God has done. You don't have to work for this salvation. The salvation has already been procured through Christ. Now we respond in repentance and faith. The question is, will you do that today? Christian, if you have been reconciled today, rejoice again that God so loved you that he took your sin and in his place he declares you righteous but it's not good enough just to sit there and be thankful for it. You're actually called to, to a ministry now. It is to proclaim that reconciliation and to live out that reconciliation, meaning there's, there's evidence of that. There are a lot of people who run around saying, I'm right with God, and yet their life bears no evidence of that. There's actually evidence to being made right with God. Actually, Paul talks about some of that earlier in this passage. In verse 11, he says that, that we persuade men. Because of the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. And because we, we know what God is about, we, we've been made right with God, we want other people to be made right with God. We don't live for ourselves, verse 14. We're a new creation, in verse 17. We proclaim this message, in verse 19. We're ambassadors, in verse 20. We implore others to be reconciled, in verse 21. 6, 1, we appeal to others. There is evidence. There is fruit of reconciliation. If someone couldn't look at your life and, and know that you've been reconciled, there's reason to believe that you have not been reconciled. This world is not what we wish it was. Society wishes for people to be kind and to get along. And quite frankly, we wish for that too. But the truth is, the only way that will ever happen is through the work of Christ. Without Christ, we are hopelessly separated from and at odds with God. 
This is the opposite of peace. But this is our state apart from Christ. But thanks be to God, who through Christ is reconciling the world to himself. He's doing it now. He's been doing it, and he's doing it today. This reconciliation is experienced through faith, and then it's proclaimed in faith. The peace that our hearts yearn for is unrealistic, it is unfeasible, it is untenable, it is a mere fairy tale apart from Jesus. The best news is the Bible is better than a fairy tale because it's true. The happily ever after is only a reality because of God in Christ reconciling, restoring the world to himself. Will you be part of that reconciliation today? Will you respond to Jesus today? Will you hear this message this morning? Be reconciled to God. If you have not, we invite you today to be. Let's pray. Father, we pray for those who have been reconciled this morning. We pray that they would not only know the truths, but they would be ready to share the truth. For those with us who, who have not yet been reconciled, we pray, God, that they would hear today the good news of Jesus. They would believe the gospel, and through repentance and faith, they would respond. Even now, in this moment, as I pray. We ask for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. I surrender all. May God the Father bless you and keep you. May the work of Christ be both your example today and the power to walk in obedience. And may the Holy Spirit give to you faith to believe and boldness to speak of the reconciliation of which we say we believe. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.